Can I ask you a question? What? What's it like being pretty? <laughs> I don't know. This is the only way that I've ever looked. I think people treat you nicer when you're pretty. Why would you say that? Because you're never nice to me. What's it all about? My aquatic jerk. If you want to be happy and live a king's life, you'll never make a pretty woman your wife. If you want to be happy and live a king's life, you'll never make a pretty woman your wife. All you've got to do is just as I say, and then you would be jolly, merry, and gay. That's from a logical point of view, always love a woman of the than you. I was watching Running Your Trap, which is a game show where three celebrity guests all claim a story, and the contestants try to guess which one of them is telling the truth. In one round, the story was, I talked my way out of getting arrested for shoplifting. Now the guests were two men and one woman, Janet Varney. You can Google her if you like, or you can just take my word for it. Janet is pretty. The guys were average looking, and I hope if they hear this, they'll forgive me for saying so. I am too. So who do you think was the one? If you were there, I think you would have guessed the same as I did, the same as both contestants. We all thought it was the pretty woman. And of course, we were all correct. Beautiful people get away with stuff. They get better treatment. So, as much as we love them, we kind of hate them a little bit too. Listen to this clip from the first episode of House. If you don't watch House, he's a brilliant doctor. And in this scene, a woman on his team comes to him with a question. Why did you hire me? Because you are extremely pretty. It's like having a nice piece of art in the lobby. I was in the top of my class. But not the top. I did an internship at the Mayo Clinic. You were a very good applicant. But not the best. Would that upset you? I worked very hard to get where I am. But you didn't have to. People choose the paths that gain them the greatest rewards for the least amount of effort. That's a law of nature. And you defied it. That's why I hired you. You could have married rich. You could have been a model. You could have just shown up and people would have given you stuff. But you didn't. You worked your stunning little ass off. Am I supposed to be flattered? What drives us? We want to be loved. It's not everything, but it's a big part. And beautiful people seem to get it a lot more easily. And that's the danger of it. Forget medical school. Why do anything? I think there comes a time in the lives of the beautiful people who go this way. All the little Paris Hiltons and Fabios. They're sitting in a classroom and they get an answer completely wrong. And they look around and notice, hey, everyone's still smiling. And that's about the last thought they ever have. I know that sounds mean, but most of you should get on board. There are a lot more of us than them. This is like when Democrats say we're only going to raise taxes on the very wealthy. Well, I'm trying to do a redistribution of self-esteem here. The gorgeous can spare a little for the rest of us. I'm Daniel Kaufman. Welcome to the Myoclonic Jerk Podcast. This is part one of a two-part series, Beauty and the Beast. Today we're going to talk to some beautiful women, including Playboy party girl Susie McCoppin. I could taste the day when everyone would want to be my friend or to have sex with me. We'll also hear from pretty man Ryan Ridley. Am I not a human being? And we'll talk to Sagit Schwartz, a therapist who treats the beautiful. I can't dispense therapy in this setting. I'll give you my card later. There'll be an all-new episode of Plane Crash Follies and much more. There you are. 
Something happened with Drew. It's the bubble. He is a doctor who doesn't know the Heimlich maneuver. He can't play tennis, he can't cook. He's as bad at sex as I am, but he has no idea. That is the danger of being super handsome. When you're in the bubble, nobody ever tells you the truth. For years, I thought I spoke excellent French. Drew deserves to be told the truth. He's a good person who is a victim of our nation's obscene cult of superficiality. Okay, Lemon, did you tell him that he was no good in tennis? No, I let him win because I wanted to make out with him in the cab. Susie McCoppin is a model and writer. That's a combination you don't see very often, which is why I wanted to talk to her. She's also Playboy's party girl, and if you want to know what that entails, go to playboy.com slash partygirl. Since we didn't know each other before the interview, she brought a chaperone along, so we get a bonus beauty, documentary filmmaker Melissa Lefton, who also happens to be the person singing this song. So I think that beauty can be really bad for a person. There's the temptation to coast and it can be corrupting. It can be, it's like this power or... I've been so, from a very early age, hyper aware of the power of beauty. I remember being so mesmerized by Cinderella and fashion magazines as a very young kid. And I've also alternated my whole life being in the beauty club and being out of the beauty club. Yeah, so you said, beautiful women tend to coast. But in those periods of insecurity, she formed a very big, funny, smart personality. Right. So you were looking at it from the outside when you were younger? Yeah. And then I remember always feeling very marginalized in school. Like I kind of looked like Anne Frank. Everyone always used to think I was sick. I was really pale, really underweight. Yeah. I was so picked on as a kid. I would just sit and fantasize about sort of like a Columbine style vengeance. Uh-huh. But for me, it would be beauty. I could taste the day when everyone would want to be my friend or to have sex with me, you know, and that would be the ultimate vindication. What age were you when you started to get this power? Fifteen. You were very quick to answer. Yeah, because I'll never forget it. It was so extreme. It wasn't gradual? Yeah, it was just boom. There was this guy that was a few years older than me that all the girls were crazy for. And we went to a concert and I was with a cluster of 15-year-old girls. And he pointed at me and summoned me over. And I couldn't believe it. I remember looking around to make Mm -hmm. sure like Vanna White wasn't standing behind me. So that kind of tipped it off. And then the next weekend, my family went on vacation and it was just palpable. People were staring at me on the street and boys were asking me for my number Uh and approaching me. And it was very Uh sudden. And so how did you react? I was like, I've arrived. It was, uh-huh. the, you know, you were happy. You were I was like, thrilled. Yes, the vengeance has begun. You didn't feel overwhelmed by all this attention. No, not at all. I've like, been finally. waiting. Yeah, it is upon me. So, what did you do with it? Oh, this is interesting because this sort of supports your theory. It's not what I did with it. It's just kind of where it took me. Yeah. I think the popular girls are the pretty girls in high school, and then if there's a dark horse that comes out of nowhere, she uh-huh. is ostracized. It's not allowed. Like you didn't get your you paperwork in on cast. time, and you can't change your cast. Yeah. Exactly. So then all the guys liked me all of a sudden, and all the girls hated me. 
So I was still an outcast. Ah, interesting. And then at 16, I found a balance. Because mm-hmm. I think if somebody's just beautiful right from the start and doesn't have any problems, yeah. then they might be kind of loathsome. Yeah. Or what I find is they stagnate. They never have the That's occasion I mean. to develop a personality. Right. Well, it's just you don't have to. Why? You don't have to. Yeah. It's what I call a pretty girl personality, which is, fine, how are you? Yeah. It was fun. We had a good time. Oh, so oh, you have a name hey. for it. Yeah, pretty girl personality. Ah. Nothing too interesting. Right. And just... Just very basic and feminine. Right, because if people are being nice to you anyway, then why? That's really what I yeah. wanted. I just wanted people to be nice to me. Mm-hmm. And I saw beauty as a way to, get, to that. get that. And then that's what happened when I was 15. All of a sudden, I went from being treated like a leper to having people nice to me. And it was right. completely intoxicating. Once you get it, though, did it feel empty? Like, no. oh, they're just being nice to the surface. They don't really know me. No, not at all. I just lapped it up, which is uh-huh. why I don't relate to the plight of the beautiful woman because they're always like, but I'm smart and I'm this. Right. I aspired to only be recognized for my beauty. You were talking about that as a past tense attitude? Yeah, I think I'm starting to shed it. Just now? Fairly recently. I think most women, especially any woman in the relatively attractive range, does not get through this life, especially in Western culture, without being something of a slave to beauty. You still do care a lot. I'm still you... a slave to it. Yeah, okay. I've always been a slave to it. I think I'll, I always will be. For you, that's just a big theme in your life. I felt that my power always came when I was in a social situation and I could say something that was inspiring or funny or something. Which to me seems a lot more consistent with a beautiful woman because they take the beauty as a given and they take delight in being recognized for other things. felt that you weren't attractive so that that was so gratifying to you. Right. It was the ultimate validation as a human being. Being told I was beautiful meant now I've earned my space on this earth Uh because otherwise I had no value. That was kind of my thing. I think all that does probably just go back to the way you were raised and the way your parents treated you. Because I always felt like I was raised dysfunctional as it was with we love you abundantly, unconditionally. And maybe you weren't raised in that. Yeah, I didn't have that. nurturing environment, which left you going to some of the major ways that people do gain approval. And also I was raised with a fair amount of violence. And they say that people that have body dysmorphic disorder often are hit in the head or the face because it communicates to them there's something oh. visually wrong with you. Do you have that a little bit? Worries about weight and stuff? Is oh, that, yeah. That's an issue? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And beauty is something that you control. You know, I put this much lipstick on, I do this to my hair, I wear this outfit. Every day it's a decision you make that you control. I've gained weight, I've lost weight. Mm. Um, So why don't you have a pretty girl personality? I never felt like a pretty girl. I always felt like I was aspiring to be a pretty girl. You're not emulating the dim pretty girls. No, not necessarily. I mean, I think the goal was to be a pretty girl no matter the sociological price. What is that price? People presuppose you don't have a personality, but that can quickly be disproven. Exactly, which is another advantage because then you have the sleeper effect. Or you catch them off guard. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty girls don't have to work nearly as hard because even if they have half the personality of a fat, middle-aged, bald guy that's got like a Larry David or something. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> even if they have one-tenth the personality, they're given such kudos. Oh my God, it's so true. It's just easy to be pretty. I do notice that. Yeah. yeah. Like getting way too much credit. If I say something marginally... <laughs> Yeah, people are just... And they're like, oh, you're smart. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's still easy. But do you like that or is that insulting? Oh, I love it. I have no integrity. <laughs> it's so hard to get any kind of kudos. You'll I'll take it. it. And that's the danger of it because it's so tempting just to, wow, I'm getting all these kudos just for this. Getting kudos for intelligence or personality or charm or whatever. Beauty is infinitely superior because to me, and you know, this is psychotic, there's a sense of divinity that comes with it. He took great yeah, care in arranging your features. The way I look at it is you had nothing to do with it. You were born that way. And if but if God that... liked you that much, then there's something divine. And you never have any feeling of like, oh, I'm just tricking everybody, but it's not real. It's just based on a surface. And... Yeah, I have those moments. 
Yeah. She has the push and pull of her insecurity and the beauty. Right. Yeah. Thank God for that. Which, but otherwise, you're just beautiful, and then you feel like you're not seen. Right. Not They're just seeing my costume. Yeah. yeah. So it's others Earth always. suit. So you do see that a lot in other beautiful women. They feel like people are just seeing the surface and they're not Well, getting... that's always the stereotype. Right. He only cares about me because of my face or I have more and I, I write poetry or I play the, the flute. with beauty also Which... is that there's always somebody more beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's anything. Right? You could say, you know, being Money. smart or being funny or rich or... Right. Uh, there's always... I don't think anybody has to feel like they're number one in any category to feel good as long as you're above average. Yeah, but then there's just no security if you're with a guy and if you've gotten this guy. That's not true beauty. what you said, by the way. Go ahead. Beautiful women, it's a lot of the time, it's a fight to the death. Oh, really? It's not like, oh, good, I'm, a, I'm an eight, it's good. Or even I'm a nine. Yeah. If there's one woman in the room that's who's right. more beautiful, that's, that's then fucks your shit up. He has no be, value. You might as well be. She's completely eviscerated. Yeah. Yes. It's not enough to be in the 98th percentile. Yeah. Right. Why do you think that is? Because as the human animal, we compete for the most valuable resource. But so, there's plenty of resources to go around. It's not like some queen bee thing where only one beautiful woman gets all the goodies. There's tons of goodies and tons of men. And well, yeah, but then you're talking about the silver medal, the bronze medal. It's less you're appealing. Women are coming, well, that people are coming from a place of abundance. Most people come from a place of scarcity. Scarcity. And desperation, yes. Do you have an opinion on this question of whether our beauty standards are inborn or something just manufactured by our culture? In Africa, mm -hmm. being grossly obese is so the aesthetic that women are actually hired to force feed young girls so that they get <laughs> rolls of flesh. They eat so much that they vomit. It's actually inverse bulimia and then continue to force feed themselves. And that's the aesthetic. And then one of the girls was being interviewed and she said, you know, I never thought it would be worth it to force feed myself until I realized the power I had over men. Hmm. In that culture, it, if you were there, being... you'd be fat, Susie. Oh, yeah, I'd be yes. huge. Right. No, you're exactly right. <laughs> But anyway, it supports the theory that beauty is completely determined by outside Culture. cultural. But, but there's some other study that says across cultures we all... There are measurements. Right, symmetry. Yeah, but then whether you're fat or skinny or big boobs or small boobs... Those that can be fashion. Yeah. yeah. There's so much in Africa with the neck rings and all this horrible yeah. mutilation. Yeah, but wouldn't they impugn our cultural trends as well? I'm sure they well, do. I'm sure they watched Baywatch. Yeah, I mean, you can sure compare like implants. Like, like, they put same. balloons into their yeah. breasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so whatever beauty is, whether it's cultural or inborn, it gives you power. And you want that. The way I say it is your hand is stamped. You're in the club if you're beautiful. You might tend to have a more generous view of humanity because people are nicer to people if they're... Yeah, that's also a true. ...friendly looking face. Right. And generous because and... you give that off, they actually are kinder. It's a vicious it's a, cycle. It's a right. It's a pretty sure, cycle. Sure, sure. It's a loop of appreciation. Come self-filling prophecy either way, yeah. If you're pretty, it's like your charm is on steroids because people don't expect it. Yeah. You get this extra... So you recommend it. Beauty? Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. It was such a good place to close it out, but that's not really the end of it because right after Susie said fuck yeah, she said this. But they say beautiful women have a harder time. In what sense? Just being thrust into competition is hard. Oh, with that thing you were saying before, like, if you're not the best, you're nothing. Exactly. And it's just another thing to worry about. Oh, my God, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get crow's feet. I'm going to blah, right. blah, blah. Right. That's the worst part of being beautiful is that that goes. Well, yeah, if, you, if you've coasted on it and then you have, you, it's gone and then you're you have nothing. nothing. Yeah. I think there's a very high suicide rate among beautiful women right. in their late, you know, whatever it is. Really? It makes sense. No, it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a high suicide rate in middle age anyway, but probably... Right. Faded beauty would be an awesome catalyst. You're left empty-handed. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? It doesn't really work there. 
How about this song? It's from 1933. Athletics, cosmetics, a weighing machine are part of the feminine daily routine for what? And oceans of lotions and potions you take to keep that old something or other awake. Why not? Even after you grow old, baby, you don't have to be a cold baby. Keep young and beautiful. It's your duty to be beautiful. Keep young and beautiful. If you want to be loved, da, 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 don't fail to do your stuff with a little powder and a puff. Keep young and beautiful if you want to be loved. Oh, a slim little waist is a pleasure, and a trim little limb is divine. Oh, a sly little eye is a treasure, it'll get him drunker than wine. Take care of all those charms, and you'll always be in someone's arms. Keep young and beautiful if you want to be loved. I didn't really do a good job of supporting my prejudices here because all the women I talked to were cool and smart and interesting. But I don't see what the alternative is. I'm sure it'd be dramatic listening for me to berate a bunch of bimbos right to their beautiful faces. You know, your looks are going to fade and, and then where will you be? And why won't you love me? I can't do that. <laughs> I can't be that mean. Not one-on-one. -on -one. I'd rather insult them all at once behind their backs. I'm kind of a coward. But it became a running question in all these interviews. Why don't you have pretty girl personality? Our next beautiful person is Christy Korzak. She's a successful TV writer. She's written on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and many others, but she's also beautiful. How could such a thing be possible? I played her the quote from House, and then I asked her. Do you feel like you're damaged? I could have been a stripper based on how I grew up. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm surprised I'm not on a pole. As a kid, we moved around a lot. And so every new school I went to, it was like, you have to start over. And I was really cute up until like eighth grade. Yeah. I was super awkward you after that. puberty, then you, it was bad, right? Yeah. When you start dating. Yeah. Right when you're into like, oh, that guy's cute. Then you look totally weird. And my breasts grew super fast. Yeah. By fifth grade, I was like a D cup. Wow. Which is horrible as a yeah, fifth grader. Sure. So I would wear like two sports bras to flatten them <laughs> and a sweatshirt. And like, right. I was like, I don't want to have breasts. That's so weird. So every new school I'd go into, I would have issues with the girls. They would immediately not like me. Um, uh -huh. And the thing I learned is that you make fun of yourself, you compliment don't them, yeah. you flip it around on them right. so they don't perceive you as being a threat. And that's but probably why you got to be nice. Maybe. Because you had to be. I had, it, was a, it was survival skill. Right. If you were just stuck in one school your whole childhood, and then you would have your beautiful friends. Right. And you just would have been one of those mean, pretty girls. Oh, my gosh. It's lucky your mom was a model moving around all the time. I guess it so. It forced you to be a cool person. But what would my life be like if I was a mean, pretty girl? You wouldn't be a comedy writer. I wouldn't be. I'd wouldn't be, be like... funny because that's an adapted survival skill. It is. Funny, right? <laughs> you had to. You were dancing like, hey, I'm not a bad person. Be my friend. But I wouldn't even need that. So you wouldn't have had it. You don't no. have what you don't need, right? I'd be married to like... Some successful guy. Crazy rich. Maybe I wouldn't be happy, Maybe old. but I wouldn't care. Oh, he'd be really old. Yeah. But then he'd die. And then you'd have all his money. Everything. I'd never <laughs> have to work. I'd travel around. You wouldn't have to be nice or charming? No, because I just have money. You'd just sit by the pool? They'd be like, she's so beautiful. But then you'd get a little old and lose your beauty. Uh-huh. And then you'd have nothing. <laughs> I'd have money. But you'd have money. So who cares? So you Do don't I have feel a dog? Like you dodged a bullet. Yeah, you could have it. You have one of those little obnoxious dogs. So. Oh, I have a, my dog isn't even <laughs> nice on the inside. <laughs> oh, you 
Next up, writer, actor, comedian, J.C. Coakley. Her website, jccoakleyispretty.com. Really attractive people. Yeah. Sometimes they tend to not be that smart, and they tend to not be interesting. There's a temptation just to coast. Yeah. So how did you not turn out that way? Did I not turn out that way? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't want to say. I'm coasting. (laughs) Well, I got sick in high school where I was in the hospital for about four months. I have a thing called Crohn's disease. What age was this? This was 15, 16, 17, and then it went into remission at 18. Okay. All these nurses were coming in and out, and I was like making them laugh. Right. Everybody needed to like me. And then when I got better, I like had this whole new persona. Right. I now know what is important and I'm just going to keep going. Do you think if that hadn't happened, can you remember before you got perspective, were you a worse person? You know what? Well, I had a bad temper, like a bratty Mm -hmm. sensibility. I do remember that. Had that event not happened, I could have probably been that girl that like everybody looked at at the bar that was like, that's fucking tonic is flat bartender <laughs> i could see myself becoming that oh you would have been a horrible person you uh, got saved yeah i got saved by death death knocked on my door thank you crones thank you crones <laughs> what do you think you'd be like if you weren't pretty if you didn't have it i would probably start my own podcast wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get the perspective of a beautiful person who's outside of the showbiz world. So I called my childhood friend, Emma. That's not her real name, but she wanted to be anonymous. When I told her that I thought beautiful women who went through awkward years generally turn out better because they faced adversity, she disagreed. You know, I really think that it's less that someone was awkward and more the environment in which they were raised. Mm-hmm. My parents never said, oh, you're so beautiful. They were much more achievement oriented. Do you think that's why you turned out to be an interesting, cool person? The way they raised me definitely, yeah, helped form who I am. Right. And the focus was, okay, well, you got a 91. That's very nice, but let's focus on why you didn't get that 100. Oh, uh, perfectionist? My dad, completely. So I've always thought about what I want to do in my life, uh-huh. much more than looking in the mirror. Right. And I know you're uncomfortable with the whole premise of this interview, but you still know you're pretty, if nothing else, by the way people in the world react to you. You know, can I tell you kind of a, sure. a sad story? <laughs> yeah, anything. Um, I'd been going to the Starbucks for a while, and this guy who worked there, yeah, a barista, would always give me that look. And mm-hmm. I was going through a drive through and I'd been going there two, three years, and he finally looked at me and he goes, I have to tell you this, I think you're so beautiful. Uh-huh. And I never went back. Uh, it was like too much pressure. I felt like, what if I go back and I look like crap? Uh, that was the reason? And then I thought that's so lame. Well, And that was like two years ago and I still haven't gone back. What did you say at the time? I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> I was flattered. The older you get when you get that kind of attention, you're like, oh, okay. Still yeah. got a little bit of it. And yeah. he was younger and very good looking. He was sweet. He wasn't, he wasn't like, ah. Right, exactly. It's interesting. I think the exact same approach from a younger guy versus a guy 20 years older than you seems yeah. sweet and not creepy. Versus but it, gross. Yeah. 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 It's almost as if you look at the surface a little yourself. I know. I'm guilty. But I don't think it's guiltiness. I think it's just natural. You know, but it bugs me. You just want to be a soul who only sees souls. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I I sometimes think I'd be a happier person if I didn't care at all about surface. There are women I liked and I wished I was attracted to and I just, I wasn't. Oh God, absolutely. You know, like if I had to write a list of everything that I'd want in a guy Mm -hmm. and I found that guy, but there was something physically unappealing, then I'd be like, It'd be tragic, right? Yes, for both sides. Right. Well, that's a good magic wand question. Would you like to lose that part of yourself that cares about beauty? You know, it's funny. I'd like to wave that magic wand on everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we usually put Ryan time at the end like dessert, but I think in a minute you'll understand why he's in this section. Let me uh, say to the listeners who haven't seen a picture of uh, Ryan or just know you as the funny guy, that Ryan is a very, very good-looking dude. We've talked to a lot of beautiful women about what it's like for them, but now we can balance it out and talk to a God. pretty, pretty man. I don't want to be recognized as that, first and foremost. You know I don't see you first and foremost as a good-looking guy. You don't go around the house making comments about how smart I am all the time. It's practically a sexual harassment to <laughs> waiting to happen. You're one, no, you're not even one step away from smacking my ass as I walk. You sometimes do do that, I believe. You know, I'm only flesh and blood. <laughs> see that ass? I want to smack yeah. it. <laughs> Am I not a human being? I don't know. You look good on the outside. On the inside. <laughs> well, yeah. Like most of the women you interviewed. <laughs> well, no, they're all nice, good no, people. No, I know. I'm just saying that because that was what you were worried about coming off misogynistic. Yeah. Because you're positioning the beauty episode as beauty corrupts women. Or... Well, no, no, no. That's why I brought you on to show that it makes men horrible, too. <laughs> <laughs> This is a defining moment in our mutual history is uh-huh. uh, back in Chicago at the Lion's Den. There was a comedy scene there and we'd go every Monday night and after talking to the women who were there and the most beautiful woman who ever came there, her name was Kelly. She sat down at a booth and Ryan was there in the corner and uh, I was sitting there being charming and funny and you were sitting there and correct if I'm remembering wrong, you sat there like a lump in the corner, not no, saying you're anything right. Absolutely, at all. hundred percent. And didn't matter. Yeah. Because she saw that stupid face of yours yeah. and she just had to have it. And maybe you not saying anything helped you, you seem sure. mysterious on top of it. Now, but... my perspective on that evening. Go ahead. I had just broken up with my girlfriend of two and a half years. Oh, you look dark and And brooding. I remember thinking uh, the last thing I was interested in was hitting on a girl. And yes, right. as I found out later, that's what got her. That's the fact what, that you were sitting yeah, back. My sitting there cool wasn't based on insecurity or shyness. Right, right, right. I exuded that. You exuded that. disinterest. Yeah. And for a girl who's surrounded by interest all the time, that helped. Well, that girl, I've never seen anything like it before or since. She's a stunner. Yeah. Don't say or since. I'll delete that out because now you're dating someone else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but yeah. this is what I'm going to say. I've never seen men react that way to a woman before or since. Yeah. Not me. I've never seen men react that way to a woman but before y- or since. Do you feel like you were not one of those men? I was somehow not under her spell. She was incredibly, magically beautiful. I remember one time taking this girl out and, and just men, just like a piranha tank. I was blatantly there with her and they just swarm on her. Yeah. And I actually heard, you know, because it was during a comedy festival, I actually heard producers offering her opportunities. Wow. I actually literally heard a man say, I just have to tell you, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Like Two friends of mine came up to me, like like men possessed, you know, yeah. they, they wanted to kill me, I felt like. They were like, <laughs> almost were telling me like, who you're not good enough for, for that girl. Right. You know what I mean? Like they resented you. They resented me, but they were like, how could you be, they wanted to like, just take her from me. I remember picking this girl up at work, and I remember seeing a guy like that she worked with that was interested in her just looking at me just with murder in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. She was sort of that kind where she's sort of genuinely oblivious to it. Like, she probably knew to a certain point, but she's also like many attractive women just sort of like, yeah, this guy was so nice to me today in the train. I'm like, really? Yeah, it's because they all want to stop you. And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, you call me cynical. <laughs> Well, I feel bad because I brought you on here to trash a beautiful man, and we ended up just talking about some beautiful woman that you got. Well, why don't you go for it, buddy? Get the gloves on and... Trash you? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, just so people know, you're hit on by TV starlets. Yeah. That's your world. Sure. Yeah. Must be nice. (laughs) 
Yeah, a couple actresses have come on to me. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Just a couple? Yeah. Ryan, is it true or false that a very attractive woman has recently offered you money to have sex with her? <laughs> is it true or false? It's true. All right. But I mean, come on. What? She's a little crazy. But she didn't make that offer to some average Joe. I know. Some charming, okay-looking, yeah. short okay, guy yeah, with a receding good. hairline. It's pretty good. It feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't make money. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> we just said <laughs> that's awful. You're like Joe Buck in Midnight Cowboy. And, and you know what that makes me? Ratso Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, but did Ratso Rizzo get laid a lot on OK Cupid dates? <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> No, he didn't. Oh, then you're yeah, not Retso. He died Rizzo. Us. You're more like uh I'm just little Joe Buck. No, you're Benjamin from The Graduate. Oh, I'm except sexy Dustin. You, well, except you're the age of Mrs. Robinson, so <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. I thought I was gonna get out of this in a good way for a second there, nope. and then you pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I can't make a decent living. Come on. You know, I'm a writer and so you know I'm trying to get jobs based on that. So you don't even care, huh? That's what you're saying? It doesn't serve me economically. It serves you emotionally. So it makes me uncomfortable. I remember when I did stand-up comedy, like I hated thinking that um, women might be attracted to me. Right. Because when you're Why on does stage that make you uncomfortable? It, just, it really is like being seen as a piece of meat. Oh, it's true. Sounds great. In bed, it's great. Comes to like, but that's sex. how you get in bed by yeah, being. No one wants to. Boy, talk about comedy. No one wants to laugh at it. A... Yeah. It's like an attractive woman comes on stage. Boy, most of the time they're not that funny because right. they haven't been. You know. Well, I think that's our prejudice, and uh, probably against handsome guys too. There's not that many handsome male comedians because something about being an outsider being stepped on in life is what makes you develop your sense of humor the popular people they don't question their lot in life mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that leads to people being funny is when you start questioning your reality because you're not so happy with it but a good-looking person is pretty happy with it they don't ask a lot of interesting questions i ask interesting questions well yeah i'm speaking in general ryan i'm not attacking right, you okay, in the, in right. this... i just feel a little you know on the ropes here <laughs> I was just agreeing with you. You were saying the same thing about a beautiful yeah. female comedians. You don't have that same prejudice if you see a really handsome guy get on stage, you don't think? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, these guys get on stage and they just come off like, you're the guys who picked on me in high school. You're right. Not... You're not funny. It's yeah. the guys. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's people who are picked on in life. Those are the funny people. Mm -hmm. Not the bullies and, and the bullied, prom queens. So maybe that's what saved me, huh? Yeah. Thank God those guys picked <laughs> on you. They make you fun. Or you'd just be another one of them. Yeah. If they had let you into your group, you'd be just this pretty jerk. Yeah. Yeah, it. so all right, what if a little wizard flew in here and said, Ryan Ridley, uh -huh. I will make you funny looking. Go on. And less attractive. And then people will only appreciate you your me, inner qualities. <laughs> I will give you what you ask for. Oh, wait a minute. But uh, what's the I upside? I am a busy wizard <laughs> with many people to screw around with. Many one-sided wishes? I mean, there's not many any... Many ironic offers to make <laughs> this i don't understand what i gain out of this well you said you are uncomfortable with your handsomeness uh, but i feel at the same time i'm doing and with okay the attention it brings you uh, it's a minor inconvenience you want to be judged solely as a person oh, as like wizard wit and I appreciate intelligence it, it's a minor inconvenience. i can guarantee that no one will ever be distracted by your face again except by its horribleness <laughs> wizard <laughs> what you're the worst salesman ever for wish fulfillment. All right, let's switch roles and I'll be handsome Ryan. Uh-huh. I wish there was a picture of me like playing with my hair and you be the wizard. 
Handsome Ryan. You see, I'm doing the wizard. You sound like a king. Oh, I'm doing Gandalf. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like that kind of wizard. Handsome Ryan. Yes. I will offer you a wish. Well, I guess I'd like to have a really good paying job on a network TV show. Granted. Oh, the thanks. twist! Oh. You're the star of the young and the restless. What? You <laughs> Why pretty you... boy. How about it? <laughs> You're a very mean wizard. Now all the attention that you get is because of your looks, you little cream puff. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that's right. I know how to be an ironic wizard. But I, <laughs> I don't know about that other guy. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind People stop and stare Now here's comedian Todd Glass. No one walks by a puppy and is like, What's up? <laughs> no, you see a puppy. It, you ever see a puppy so cute? I don't know how to say this. You, like, it's so... You want to fucking bite it? I see the tables here tonight that know exactly what I mean. Because they look at each other like, I know what he means. You want to bite it, of course. And other people are like, what? Yeah, you want to bite its cute little face. You want to mush it and squeeze it and just... Why is that? Some people go, no, you just pet it. Yeah, no, you pet it doesn't work. Petting it, oh, there you know, you start petting it, and then you're like, hey, you're getting bit. Oh, so cute. My neighbor had a... Their dog had a litter of golden retriever puppies. Oh my God. There were six week old sitting in the whopping box and one tried to scratch itself and it fell over. I'm like, that's it, I'm eating you. You're too cute. It had the cute little pink tongue. You ever see a puppy when it has a pink tongue and it's sticking out, but its mouth is closed, but it doesn't know. It's like, I want to pull the tongue. But I wouldn't, because that's mean, but I something about it. I want to just wanna pull it. There you go. You're so cute. I'm just pulling your tongue because I love you. <laughs> My neighbor has a cat. It's big, and it, uh, it's one of those cats I wouldn't mind having. First of all, it's about 40 pounds overweight and mad, and that's even cuter. One time she asked me if I'd watch it for her for two weeks, and it hid the whole time. And all I wanted to do was pet it. Every time I went to pet it, it ran away. I was getting frustrated. So I went to pet it, and then it ran under the bed. And I knew this was wrong. Don't judge me. I thought, it, I, I know you don't, don't ever grab a cat by its tail. But I couldn't help it. I was like, Rah! I'm like, all I want to do is fucking pet you. You're son of a... All I want to do is love you because you're cute. Just let me love you. I just want to squeeze your face. You got a real fine frame Oh, baby, won't you tell me your name You look good to me Cause all I can see is your real fine frame Tell me, how long have you been now? Baby, when did you hit this big town? Now I wanna scream Cause I've never seen such a real fine frame after I spoke with my friend Emma, she sent me a link to a video by Katie Mackay. It's called Pretty, and here's a piece of it. 
this is about. The self-mutilating circus we have painted ourselves clowns in, about women who will prowl 30 stores and six malls to find the right cocktail dress, but who haven't a clue where to find fulfillment or how to wear joy, wandering through life shackled to a shopping bag beneath the tyranny of those two pretty syllables, about men wallowing on bar stools, drearily practicing attraction, and everyone who will drift home tonight crestfallen because not enough strangers found you suitably fuckable. This, this is about my own someday daughter when you approach me, already stung, stained with insecurity, begging, Mom, will I be pretty? Will I be pretty? I will wipe that question from your mouth like cheap lipstick and answer, no! The word pretty is unworthy of everything you will be, and no child of mine will be contained in five letters. You will be pretty intelligent, pretty creative, pretty amazing, but you will never be merely pretty. If you like that, you can hear the whole thing on YouTube. Just search the word pretty. The video has over 300,000 views. I tried to Google Katie, and all I could find were links to this piece and various women's blogs. Clearly, it touches a nerve. It sounds a lot like my feelings on beauty, but they're not the same. For all my disapproval of our values around beauty, they don't oppress me. Not directly. Yeah, and I like that 30 Rock clip because it let me pretend I was balanced in this, but there's no getting around it. Beauty hits women harder. They get more of the benefits, but they also pay more of the costs. Yes, beautiful women are more likely to coast on their looks. But that's ultimately a criticism of men. Men are the only ones satisfied with mere beauty in a mate. So beautiful women don't have to be accomplished. Think of all the gifted men, writers, directors, musicians, who marry models. Can you name one accomplished woman who married a male model? I can't. Beautiful men aren't as prized because women want more. So if beautiful women are worse, it's only because men generally are worse. And if I seem to embody any misogyny, it's actually rooted in man-hating. Or as Farrah Fawcett Major said, the reason the all-American boy prefers beauty over brains is that the all-American boy can see better than he can think. When I saw glad morning, and now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Plane Crash Follies with a new cast of characters each and every episode. We take you now, as always, to the interior of a commercial airliner that is plummeting to a terrible end. God, oh my god, oh my god, please, this can't be happening. I don't believe that this is happening. Excuse me, is my lipstick even? What? My lipstick. Can you tell me if it's on evenly? Are you crazy? What difference does it make? I'm trying to do my makeup. Why? We're going down. Well, what should I be doing? I... I don't know. Well then, if you're not too busy, would you mind telling me if my lipstick is okay? Um, yeah. It's good, I guess. Okay, thanks. You, you look very nice, actually. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. Do you think maybe, since we're, um, could I kiss you? Oh, no. I don't want to smudge it. Are you serious? It's about to get very smudged. Gross. Don't be mean. Sorry. What about my blush? I feel like I put on too much. No, it, it looks good. Oh, 
Sagit Schwartz is a therapist based in Los Angeles, well-versed in the challenges that come with beauty. Roughly half her practice is made up of models and actresses. She's currently writing a book about it called The Burden. Sagit, you coined a lovely phrase, otherworldly beautiful. What do you mean by that? I'm not talking about an attractive person. I'm talking about... Stunners. Yeah, people that everyone around them stops what they're doing to take a look at them. And I see that in my office when people are in the weight area looking at these women. Right. And I'm interested in looking at what it's like for them just to go through the world in that way when they might just be at the supermarket or thinking about errands and things they have to do. But all around them, there's this activity and energy and interest and people are falling in love or lust. I think sometimes it can feel intrusive and... Just tune it all uh, out. At times. And I think other times maybe you welcome it, Uh but certainly not all the time and from everyone. I think we all cherish our anonymity to a degree and you suddenly are stripped of it. It's almost as if you become public property. But aren't there ways, I mean, you could dress in a certain way to diminish attention. I mean, aren't they on some level looking for that attention? Depends on the person. My experience of beautiful women is that when you notice them, they're dressed to the nines, they're often wearing revealing clothing, and it seems designed to gather attention. Well, there are women who aren't beautiful, though, that dress in a provocative manner. Right. But I think from the whole spectrum of women who dress provocatively, they're all trying to get what the beautiful women get very easily. What do the beautiful women get so easily? They get admired, uh-huh. I guess is the big thing. I mean, we all want to be smiled at and affirmed. But it's very artifice-based. Right. So you're really not being seen. People want people to acknowledge them and see them as whole, multidimensional human beings. We right. all have that drive. Sure. A lot of the women that I treat have experienced rough childhoods. Mm -hmm. Then when they enter adulthood, they're not feeling so great about themselves, even though the world might be gawking at them. And it almost makes it worse when everyone around them thinks that things are so great for them. So there's less room for them to experience their humanity, to say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Hey, my childhood sucked. Oh, tell Nobody me about wants to it. hear it from like a gorgeous, stunning person. No, we all there's envy. less compassion. Yeah. Do you think that's something that's true of otherworldly, beautiful women in general? Or do you think the fact that they're coming to see you is yeah, sort of my, self-selecting? My lens is definitely biased because I'm trying to help people when they're feeling pretty crummy. I think that there are certain struggles that go along with looking extremely beautiful, just as there are certain struggles that go along with having a physical deformity on your face. Mm -hmm. There's actually a book called Beauty Bias by Deborah Rhodes, Uh and she has identified that the workplace is trouble for both of these extremes. What's the bias for the beautiful? Not getting job promotions, assumptions about your intellect or lack thereof. Right. She coined a term, looksism. Uh-huh. This is a little tough, but when I think about beautiful women as a group, I think I share that bias to some degree that if I see someone who sort of seems that they're dressing, uh, their intention is to focus on their beauty, I tend to assume that there's less going on inside intellectually and that they're going to be less witty, less interesting. And that's not just beautiful women, that's very beautiful men, and that's somebody's covered in tattoos and piercings. If uh, Any kind of over-attention to the surface mm-hmm. makes me think they're trying to create an identity out of that and then there's less internally that they have to offer. Well, how one feels about oneself, how is that formed? I keep going back to the idea of having a parent show up for you because that in the end is what allows a sense of self to integrate. 
in the absence of that or worse, then you are moving around in the world trying to create a sense of identity because there is a void inside. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that you have feelings about it is actually more reflective of me. Of you, yeah. <laughs> because we don't get activated by people unless something inside of us is getting activated. Otherwise, it would just be like a tree. A tree blows in the wind. It right. exists. It's a tree. All right. Well, Who cares? But if something's getting stirred, right. what's going on, really? Because it's just a person being in the world. Well, what do you think is going on? <laughs> I can't dispense therapy nope. in this setting. <laughs> I'll give you my card later. <laughs> thought I was going to get some free therapy. <laughs> No, but I mean, you can do it in a non-therapeutic and even critical way. Where, I don't you know, feel critical about it. We all get activated, and it's all about trying to figure out what's happening. There's no... But the judgments I'm talking about are pretty common. Mm -hmm. And even the beautiful women I talked to shared them about other beautiful women. Why wouldn't there be empathy for the person that felt a void inside of themselves? Well, it's your job to be empathetic, but my job is to be critical and judgmental and have a lot of opinions. I agree with you that I probably have my own emotional reasons to need to put these women down. It's not just you, because society at large has created these stereotypes. And why must we go there? This really is... Well, I think part of why we go there is they hurt us, these beautiful oh. women. We get rejected by them. Mm. They're beautiful women that I want. Uh, I'm not up to their high standards. I think a lot of the problem is that beauty is a limited resource that everybody wants. And so there's just not enough to go around. And that means there's going to be a lot of frustrated, disappointed people out in the world. And we're going to see beautiful people as the source of that because they're rejecting us. Um, mm. They're getting what we want, number one. So there's that envy. And then there's just that hurt because they're telling us we're less than. They're getting what we want. They're getting both the admiration and attention that we want. And then they're able to attract other beautiful people. And getting that attention means what? One then feels good about oneself? Yeah. And Isn't that what we all want in the world is to have? But the assumption is that you're otherworldly beautiful and that you're walking around feeling really great about yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's antithetical to being alive. Every human being, we're going to experience disease, hardship, death neglect, disappointments, abuse, you name it. Right. And to assume that you're going to get a free ride because you have a pretty face. Not a free ride, but it's sort of like the way we look at rich people. We see them with envy and obviously rich people have problems. There's a lot of therapists in, in this town that, uh, that make a living off that. We all have neuroses and difficulties, but there are practical things that it would be nice to have. And beautiful people or rich people get those things. They get So far treatment. what you've identified, though, to me in terms of beautiful people is that they get looks and they attract other beautiful people. People are nicer to them. All the women I talk to, they get to go to the front of the line. They get to go into the nightclub where all the people stand in line. They sit down at a restaurant and somebody brings them a free course. But yeah. those interactions are with strangers. What's the quality of their interpersonal relationships? Right. Are other women wanting to be close friends with them? Right. Getting friends. That's really what makes up a life. Going out for dinner, going to the front of the line in a club. Those are tiny moments in mm -hmm. a person's existence. But then you have nobody to cry to because your mom is sick when you're so isolated. Because a lot of people don't want to get close to them mm -hmm. for all the reasons that you're outlining jealousy, envy, right. <laughs> assumption that they have such a full social circle. So it's more complex than those club and restaurant moments. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to let me have my envy, <laughs> <and> my bitterness. <laughs> what do you think is behind our love of beauty? It really points to an existential crisis, the impermanence of time, mating with someone who is beauty, being around them somehow 
makes you immune to the fact that we really don't have control over time. Uh There's a great book called The Sabbath by Heschel, and he illustrates how man has found a way to conquer space. Put up a house. Let's go up to the moon. We'll stick a flag on it. But we haven't figured out a way to transcend time. And this causes tremendous anxiety. We're dying. We're always dying. Uh But beauty, how can we talk about beauty without talking about youth? Those things are so intricately linked. But do you think that's a big part of the drive? Or uh... I do. In that moment, we're never going to get old. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think that's why a lot of aging actresses have moved out of L.A. I saw Linda Evans on Oprah not too long ago uh-huh. speaking to this. She couldn't handle that that last photograph, everyone was going to think that that's how she should look. And she mm-hmm. didn't look like that anymore. Right. So there is this fixation, the need to kind of stay. Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying... <laughs> If by possessing, you know, at least with our eyes, right. if nothing more, this youthful beauty, that's a way of sort of holding on to youth. It's sort and of an time. attraction to... And time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But when you listen to a piece of classical music or whatever kind of music stirs you up, aren't you being stirred by the thing itself and not just about whatever that thing is doing for you in an existential way? Probably uh, both. Yeah. All right. On that note, this quote from the pilot of House. I says, watch House. Big oh, okay. fan. So what did you think about that? To make these generalizations, inevitably, they'll be inaccurate because we don't have the big picture. And it moves us away from ourselves. Why do we go there? To distract us from our own pain. It's a very... That's the whole point. (laughs) Convenient, yeah, yeah, defense mechanism that might serve us for a period of time. But eventually, it just leaves us feeling really crappy. And then Uh we got to look at it. Okay. You're engaged in somebody else's life rather than your own path. Right. I think everything you're saying is true. (laughs) But? (laughs) Well, but I think it's also valid to look around at the world. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm driven by avoiding my own pain. And that's part of it. But I think I'm also driven by curiosity. And And I'm not saying that I walk around all the time so evolved that I have no judgments about anyone. Uh But in terms of something to strive for, not for the beautiful women, but for you, for me. Right. Because is it really serving you? Are you feeling better about yourself when you go to those places? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop therapizing here. No, 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 that's great. (laughs) I feel like it's useful to make judgments sometimes. But are we so all-knowing to presume? But I think I and and you and everybody listening, we have a lot of life experience and we go out Mm -hmm. in the world. And if I see someone with their nails done and they're long and polished and a ton of makeup on, I'm going to have an assumption that they're not that interesting. And my -hmm. assumption is that they would look at me and my crappy clothes or to them it'd be crappy clothes and make a bunch of judgments about me too Hmm. because they've bought so much into this world of superficiality. And on some level, we should have sympathy. But on another level, I think it's reasonable to say they made bad choices and their choices are shallow and it's better to read and to think about bigger questions than what kind of handbag you're going to buy or whatever they're thinking about. Often people who engage in that level of materialism are very empty inside. Yeah. How fragile is one's existence when they get up in the morning and attempt to mitigate their pain by buying a new pair of earrings? That's not an easy life. Your happiness is always determined on something exterior, and the high will inevitably wear off. The earrings are now old. Right. There might be more than just they've made shallow lifestyle choices. Right. You can't let go of your sympathy. (laughs) And (laughs) And I I don't even know if it's kindness, but just thinking about a whole human being and not just how they're acting out in any given moment. 
there are plenty of moments in my life that I might not have been proud of. And I would hope that those around me could see me as a whole human being. Uh Well, despite all my prejudices, like everybody, I crave beauty and I want to be with someone beautiful. And there have been times in my life where I was with someone who I really liked and I wished I was attracted to and wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I asked this of some of the people I interviewed, if someone could come wave a wand and take away your desire for beauty, where you could just sort of see the inner person and not have any concerns about service, would you take that deal? And I myself, I don't think I'd take that deal mm. because that's so much a part of the pleasure of life for me is, mm-hmm. is appreciating beauty and not just another person, but mm-hmm. just in the world. So I wouldn't want to lose that. How about the judgment? Would you want to lose that? Do you think I should? The reason why I bring it up is because it sounds like it gives you a lot of pleasure, beauty. Correct. Um, it's so, a mix. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, so, but I mean, you mean when it's someone desirable, it, sometimes it's a little painful. And I'm curious about what's in that. You know, if somebody say, man, she's so pretty, it hurts. Or there's a comedian, I might play a little <laughs> clip from him that he's like, when you see a puppy, it's so cute, you want to strangle it. You're just overcome with more than you can uh, satisfy. And mm, uh, That's real. Yeah. That's what do you think that is you going, have to mitigate. What's going on there? Well, you're speaking to primal drive. That's my feeling about it, too, that I have this caveman feeling where I just want to grab this beautiful woman, and mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to do that. And that's where this internal frustration... Are you uncomfortable with that instinct? or I think I'm pretty much at peace with the fact that we're somewhat animals and have animalistic okay. urges, and I think that's okay, you know, as long as you don't act on them in the wrong mm-hmm. context. The question that I asked you earlier, oh. though, about the beauty without the judgment, Yeah. the reason why I brought it up was from hearing you explain what beauty does for you. And I was thinking, gosh, without the judgment, it would be that much more pleasurable. more pure of uh-huh. an experience because the judgment pulls you out of it. Now I so feel that's little... why I was asking okay. it. We've been focused on those judgments, but yeah. a lot of the time when I'm appreciating someone beautiful, it's not with all those judgments. I'm just like, wow, she's so beautiful, and I am having that pure mm-hmm. uh, experience. Yeah, I don't want to come off in this as this bitter person who looks at beautiful people. It's mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. I, usually I look at beautiful people, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're working on a book now called The Burden, mm-hmm. and it addresses how beauty affects everyone. How is that? Well, I don't just see models and actresses. Right. And... Many of my patients and people that I know who get down on themselves, their default position is, I'm not pretty enough, and it becomes a defense from looking at the true genesis of their sadness. That can keep somebody really busy. I gain weight, now I need to lose weight, and then I will be worthy, and then I will be lovable. But if you get all of those things, you still won't feel it inside. Right. It's this over-concern with surface and externals. Yeah, it perpetuates somebody experiencing themselves from the outside in rather than the inside out. So we're both sort of doing the same thing. I, as this person on the outside, condemning... And they even from the inside are judging or focusing on this outside. We're both missing their internal. Yeah. In these situations where there's abuse in the background of Mm -hmm. these beautiful women, did the abuse lead them to be these people who focus overly on surface? I think the pull towards a field that involves the camera can be directly related to a childhood that might have been filled with abuse or neglect Mm -hmm. so that the camera becomes a conduit for them to feel good about themselves, replacing the absent parent who was never on the sidelines of a soccer field cheering. Mm -hmm. 
that's interesting because yeah i feel that way about my field uh, comedians that i work with there's a lot of damaged people there and they're dealing with neglect and trying to get from strangers what they missed at home you keep forcing me to be empathetic (laughs) (laughs) i want to see them as other and the more (laughs) we're just like you oh wow (laughs) doesn't seem possible Man, I thought the pattern of the show was going to be I start with questions and end with, if not answers, at least a little clarity. But I feel like with this episode, I've done the opposite. Sagit especially really got in my head. Thanks a lot, Sagit. Anyway, I'm convinced. In looking at how people turn out, beauty is much less important than just how you're raised. But we're not just raised by our families. We're also raised by our computers and our TVs and billboards. Advertisers know no stronger tool than beauty to get us looking their way. And as they use it to sell us shampoo and cars and soda, they inadvertently sell us on beauty itself. And then we get to care about it even more, which makes them use it more. And our other ideals start to get crowded out. So being vapid doesn't come just from an unhappy childhood. A lot of us lead empty lives largely because we're part of a culture that promotes it. And a lot of people are devoted parents and still raise their kids awfully just because they have crappy values that they lovingly pass on. We're too many of us looking for shortcuts to esteem, not wanting to figure out what matters. I picked on Paris Hilton at the beginning, but the fact that she's famous is an indictment of us. But yes, as long as I'm handing out indictments, there's clearly something wrong with me that I can take one of the best things in life and spend a whole show complaining about it. It's something I'm going to think about. Meanwhile, I'm going to continue falling in love with two or three complete strangers just about every time I go out in the world. Someday When I'm awfully low When the world is cold I will feel a glow Just thinking of you And the way you look tonight That's our show. Beauty was part one of two. Next month, The Beast. Thanks to all the cool, beautiful people I interviewed. Susie McCoppin, Melissa Lefton, Christy Korzek, J.C. Coakley, She Who Prefers to Remain Anonymous, and good old Ryan Ridley of the Grandma's Virginity Podcast. Thanks to Todd Glass. If you like that bit, you can get his whole album on iTunes. Thanks to our plane crash actors, Ed Galvez and Justine Barron. And a big thank you to Sagit Schwartz, who spent a lot of time in the studio and a lot of time corresponding with me before and after the interview. And thank you for listening. Check out the website, myaclonicjerk.com. Or find us on Facebook. You can post your comments there or send them into mailbox at myclonicjerk.com. Happy Thanksgiving! I think I put on too much blush. I think you look beautiful. Oh. If we survive this, why don't you Facebook me? (laughs) I think I put on too much. No. Thanks. Gum? I think I'm wearing too much blush. No way. Thanks. You're an autumn, right? Autumn winter. Do you think I'm wearing too much blush? A little bit. (laughs) Listen. Yeah? I'm a little concerned about something. What? 
my eyebrows. You look like a talking magazine cover. That's my dream. Really? Yeah. My dream is that my dad gets killed by clowns. Now I'm a little scared. Oh, Why now I'm not. Oh, so about that smooch. No. Oh, how about on your forehead? You don't have lipstick there. Keep kissing the air, buddy. <laughs> I'm hoping turbulence will knock you into my direction. <laughs> or what if it's like, okay, you can kiss me, right? <laughs> <laughs>